Lamella Ball had a great stat line against Denver. Nikola Jokic had a historic stat line. We'll talk about that, plus the Hornets weekend overall today on the Locked On Hornets podcast. You're Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cause we live. We live. <laughs> It's Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Thanks for making us your first listen. We're free and available anywhere you get your podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit matchup to $100 with promo code Locked On. That's prizepicks.com, promo code Locked On. So the Charlotte Hornets, they just lost to the Denver Nuggets. Me and Doug are doing a late night taping of this episode that will be available to you tomorrow in the a.m. So maybe you can listen to this on your way to work. Hopefully, you know, that I think that's right. <laughs> am I am I wrong? <laughs> when you question, anytime I get questioned on math or general numbers, then I just assume the other person's right. So I get a little scared and paranoid. You, you, well, gave you just faith. sounded like someone that was trying to explain back to the future to me. Like I didn't tomorrow today, like what, you know, anyway, moving on. Yeah. Just, yeah. W- whenever you're listening to this, just know that we are hopping on right after the Charlotte Hornets and Denver Nuggets game. I said it in the tease, the cold open there, Doug. LaMelo Ball was great, and he continues to be awesome. No rust at all after the second injury debut, right? The first time, it did take him a little while to get going. The first great game that he has against the Pacers, he's right back out again, and we have to do the same old song and dance. There's zero rust for LaMelo. In this game against Denver, he was by far the best player for the Hornets again. He scored 31 points. He was perfect from the free throw line, shooting seven of seven, four of nine from beyond the arc, 10 of 21 overall in his 36 minutes played five assists. You and I both think he could have had more had the Charlotte Hornets just hit shots, but they didn't really do so around him. Really, the story is not even LaMelo with an impressive stat line. We got a historic one from Nicole Jokic in this one, Doug, 40 points, 27 rebounds. He had 20 rebounds in the first half. Nicola would also finish with 10 assists. He didn't have any blocks, but that'll do. The triple-double, 40 and 27 and 10. That'll do just fine for Nicola. And once again, yes, Joel Embiid, Nikola Jokic, the best centers in the game are going to be a huge mismatch for any NBA team. But I do think the Charlotte Hornets are dead last when you're talking about teams that are most equipped, most well-equipped to compete against a Joel and a Nicola. Yeah, I mean he he's a beast. He's an MVP, Crazy. Um, and and is up on my list of of possible MVP candidates this season. Uh, so yeah, I mean he, he was uh, very difficult to deal with. I thought they they did the best job that that they possibly could, trying to at least make things a little bit difficult, especially in the first half. I think you know scoring wise, I thought I thought he really got it going late. You know they let him. T- the problem was they let him taste blood and hit that three point shot late after he'd missed a few and then he hits another one right after that. So yeah, tough, but I mean, LaMelo ball, just super impressive. 17 points in the second half, six of 10 from the field, three of four from three, his three point shooting has uh, really helped. And, and and unfortunately not a lot of people have helped him along with that. I mean, there's still as a team, you know, he was three of four in the second half. The team in the second half was five of 17 from three, because you're getting a lot of misses from PJ, a lot of misses from Kelly Oubre, just nobody there to really hit threes to. And and some of the, you know, I thought one of like the defining sequences of this game involved LaMelo and Jokic. And it was with two minutes to go in the, in the fourth quarter and the Hornets were battling 
to get back into that game, and they had cut the deficit to five. And Jokic hits uh, Aaron Gordon on a cut to the rim, and Aaron Gordon hits a really tough reverse layup over a couple of Hornets. And then next possession, it's LaMelo's turn to come back and answer. And great dribble drive, gets by two Denver defenders, but gets locked up before he can go uh, and make the layup. So he dishes to Mason Plumley, who takes a contested turnaround baby hook shot. And I mm-hmm. thought just those two possessions back-to-back really kind of define the problem that the Hornets have uh, that they would have had even had they not been injured all season. Uh, and, and that's that, you know, the, the center position is, is a really difficult one for the Hornets to figure out. They were in foul, and, and a lot of the centers were in foul trouble for a lot of this game, and that made it difficult as well. Yeah, it really was. And if you look at some of the other noticeable things that happened, you can go to Terry Rozier, um, one of five from the field, but only played 14 minutes. He dove for a ball that was going out of bounds that was going to be out on the Charlotte Hornets. And then, uh, you know, just tried, tried too hard. It's what you get for hustling, right? It's what Eric Collins was talking about, too. Just unfortunately doing all the right things and comes out of it getting injured. You could see him land and immediately have that discomfort. Didn't play any longer. Yeah, it so it what, hip, it said it was a hip contusion, but it looked like he grabbed his booty. Hustle was a booty. bleep off. Oh, Rick Bennell somewhere is telling you that uh, Terry Rogier is telling you the same thing Matt Geiger did when he said he pulled his ass. That's what happened. <laughs> that was Rick sure Bennell's But He was questionable story. to return. He didn't return, but, mm-hmm. but hopefully that being questionable to return means that he's not seriously injured. Hip contusion, hopefully they can get him back. So it, I don't even know. I mean, offense was the problem, right? I mean, they scored 115. Defense is always the problem with this team, but even offensively, you might look at their 115 total, kind of shrug your shoulders and say, okay, you know, decent amount of points at this 35 in the fourth, right? It's a lot of points in the fourth quarter for sure. Um, At the same time, you go 12 of 38 from the three-point line. You shoot under 43% from the field. And you're talking about LaMelo doing a lot of the heavy lifting. Gordon Hayward was pretty good, especially early in this one, hit some shots. And I, I thought certainly better than he was against the Hawks. Well, yeah, um, and he, he well, would, to, to Gordon's credit, he dragged them back into that game in, the, in yeah. the sequence, like right at the end of the third quarter when LaMelo checks out. Gordon's with the bench unit. The bench played a lot better. But Gordon dragged them back into that game in the early fourth quarter. They would have gotten blown out by 20. Uh, if if not for Gordon Hayward and LaMelo's heroics. Um, at the same time, Jalen McDaniels was probably their second best player behind LaMelo, and Jalen ends up playing 20 minutes. Point being, it's going to be tough when Kelly Oubre, he played 35 minutes and scored 16 points, hit a big three at the same time, had an awful sequence in the fourth quarter where he missed two bunnies just – in transition, missed a shot, and then missed a follow-up after they got the offensive rebound. Going 0 for 2 on that possession, that was a that was a kill shot for the for Charlotte. You know, Terry Rozier going one of five. PJ TJ or PJ's in a real slump right now, and it's it's actually longer. It is yeah, brutal. it's brutal. And at the same time, you were going through some of the numbers, Doug. You know, you know my love for PJ. I think defensively, he still matters a lot for this team. Offensively, he's killing them and. It's he, he keeps taking so many, right? They don't have anywhere else to go because even in this one, you can't get all your starters because Terry Rozier only plays 14. So, yep, even against Denver, can't have all your nice things. P- PJ, if you go back to last year, the two-point percentage, it goes up. His overall efficiency, I'll take those numbers any day of the week. 
and then maybe with a little added volume, but this is a lot of added volume. All the shots that he's taken, it's 12, 13, 17, and that's just not his game in the NBA. It's, it's just too expanded for him right now. Uh, yeah, totally. I mean, they, they've got to have him hitting shots. I mean, they've had to rely on JT Thor for a couple of these games now because they've had to reach into some of their depth, even though they're getting guys back, you know, with, with uh, the uh, injury to Rozier and the foul trouble, they had to go to Thor. Thor missed a, a wide, wide open three point shot. It's just like you, you've got to hit these shots. You've got to take these opportunities. Jamal Murray was two of 11 in this game for six points, missed all six of his three pointers. They were missing, and Bones Highland, who has been good for them off the bench, was three of 11. They were missing free throws at the end of this game, and they don't miss a lot of free throws. And they missed a ton in this one 22 of 34 from the line. So, you know, all of these things, it's like Denver was trying to give them this game and, and a lot of missed opportunities, I thought, in the second half. But to me, the story of the game was the Hornets respond from the Detroit disaster to the Atlanta first half defensive disaster. They played def- they played defense a lot better. You look at 119, you say that's a lot of points. But you have to understand that Denver came into this game, number one, they were the second best offense in the league. Number two, they were they were they're built to run. They do run. They they rack up a lot of possessions. They actually, even though they scored one nineteen, they were below average in terms of their points per possession this season. So the Hornets actually did a good job defensively. Like you said, though, I think if we've learned anything over these three games, the past three games, it's that when Lamelo's not on the floor offensively, this team is a disaster. Yeah, it, it is. And uh, and you, you mentioned Denver missing a lot of shots. Yeah, I, I didn't see a ton of problems more than normal defensively, as you mentioned, right? Denver still did miss quite a bit of shots that you wouldn't expect them to. And so even 119, it looks ugly. It, it's it's not as ugly as it looks, and yet it could have been uglier, right? If that makes yeah. sense, yeah. So they they just missed some shots, and well, overall, and you'll hear we we haven't had a chance to hear Clifford uh, yet, but I'm pretty sure he's going to say when they got their defense set, which is difficult against Denver because again, Denver lo- they run, they run, and, and you're running at Denver, which is mile high. You know, I mean, it's going to be tougher, mm-hmm. especially a team like Charlotte that's getting guys back. Probably, you know, LaMelo and Gordon. I saw Gordon huffing out there. He's getting back his conditioning. LaMelo is a little bit younger, so he's a a little bit more flexible there, but I'm sure he's feeling it too. Uh, So Denver loves to run, and when they got their defense set, they were really good. But they just didn't always get their defense set and, and, you know, let too many guys get free. And so, yeah, I mean, there were a couple of missed opportunities defensively, but so much better than they were against Atlanta or Detroit. All right, let's talk a little bit more about that Atlanta matchup coming up next on the Locked On Hornets podcast. Don't go to sleep on the Hornets just yet. Talk a little bit more about Gordon Hayward starting to ease himself back into the swing of things. LaMelo, more talk on him, and then we'll kind of visualize what's going on outside. Take the macro approach with the Charlotte Hornets team. This episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. How it works is that you can pick two to six players, and if they go score more or less than their Prize Picks projection, you can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. No competing against other people. It's just you versus the projections available with this fantasy app. And Prize Picks offers projections on any sport that you watch. This includes NBA, MLB, PGA. We'll keep going on to men's and women's college basketball, soccer. 
soccer, WNBA, esports, tennis, MMA, Euro basketball. There's so many different sports you can get involved in when it comes to prize picks. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. You have safe and fast withdrawals, and they're currently operational in over 30 states and even Canada. Download the prize picks app or go to prizepicks.com. Sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code locked on. If you deposit $100, PrizePix gives you $100. If you deposit $50, PrizePix gives you $50. Don't forget to enter promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. This episode is also brought to you by Turo. Turo is the world's largest car sharing marketplace. With Turo, you can book any car you want wherever you want it, from a community of local hosts. You can browse a huge selection of vehicles for just about any occasion or budget across the U.S., U.K., Canada, even Australia. Book a spacious SUV or minivan for a family road trip, and you can get a classic or luxury car for a special event, birthday, or even a holiday. Find affordable economy cars if you're on a budget and just you need to get from A to B. Test drive that new electric vehicle you've had your eye on, too, and see how it fits in your everyday life. Many Turo hosts even drive or can even deliver that car right to you. So every trip is backed by liability insurance. Terms, conditions, and exclusions apply. Forget boring rental cars and find your drive at Turo.com. Plenty more to come. Locked on Hornets. Thanks for making Locked on Hornets your first listen today. Make your next listen Locked on Sports today. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. So not only did the Hornets lose this game against the Denver Nuggets, they also lost the recent game before that to the Atlanta Hawks, and they lose 125-106, to Doug. You called it a must-win. I agreed with you. I would argue that win or loss, I should say, against Detroit was a must win and they lost in overtime and it happened against the Hawks. Now, Hawks aren't a bad basketball team. They're 500. Um, you know, with that win, they were able to bring themselves to 500, 15 and 15 on the season. I think this is a really bad loss too, though. Not Denver, right? Denver's fine. I think Atlanta is a bad loss. And the reason being is because they're missing guys. Atlanta has Trey Young. True, but they're also missing uh, DeJounte Murray. They're, Clint Capella is someone that has often killed the Charlotte Hornets, and they didn't have Clint Capella in that game either. And if I'm not mistaken, John Collins. Yeah, John Collins That's didn't great. play in that game. All three of those guys, pretty important players. We know that the Hawks are kind of unraveling right now. I think I saw somebody tweet, if I'm not mistaken, that Zach Lowe and Bobby Marks on their latest podcast, they're talking about Trey Young trades now because of all the turmoil that they're going through with their star player. So with Charlotte, going against a team that had all those injuries and you get LaMelo Ball, Gordon Hayward, yes, I know he's trying to get in the swing of things, but you at least got somebody back. I thought that was a bad loss, especially because you only put up 14 points in the fourth quarter, right? Like you battle back and you come up with a goose egg. I don't know, Doug, like that, that one was defeating. No, nothing's going to be as bad as the OT loss to Detroit. That was, that was suffocating, but this one against Atlanta was a must win and damn, they lost by near 20. Yeah. And I mean, d defensively, they were a disaster in the first half and you thought, you know, after the Detroit game where, you know, Steve Clifford uh, certainly gave them an earful in the locker room and then d didn't even want to take questions from the media because of how disgusted he was right. with the defensive performance, you would think they would have come out in that first half, 
you know, with with a little bit more zeal defensively, but um, gave up a ton of points. Now did lock down in the third, and I think that's why you know Clifford came out after the game and said they were playing with more purpose defensively because at least you know unlike Detroit against Atlanta, they did decide at some point to really get serious about the defensive end of the floor. But you know, I think this is a good game to kind of contrast with that Denver game in that. You know, the, this Atlanta team also took 34 free throw attempts, but made 28 of them. They took 29 three point attempts, but made 15 of them. AJ Griffin, a rookie that, you know, the Hornets could have drafted, uh, mm-hmm. hit three of those three pointers. Frank Kaminsky, someone that they did draft, uh, hit two of them. That was just a, <laughs> I mean, talk about a heartbreaker. Frank uh. Kaminsky, four of five, two of three from three. He has 12 points. <laughs> Seven rebounds, five assists, and a steal. I mean, my goodness, like Frank Kaminsky revenge game. I definitely probably could have called it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, this was this was a tough pill to swallow. And then, as you mentioned, 14 points in the fourth quarter, that's, the again, the difference in the Denver game is that they didn't give up offensively and they fought back in that fourth quarter to cut the deficit. So, yeah, this Atlanta game, I thought, you know, was a must win uh, because they were favored to win because of all the players they were missing. Although it looks like Trey Young plays better without DeJounte Murray. I mean, that might be the the thing that's pr- the problematic with the Atlanta Hawks right now. Right. You know, he, lo- he looked so much better than he's looked in, in the past couple of games with DeJounte Murray. So, yeah, t- tough loss. And honestly, now I look at – I take this one and I take Denver and the losses are piling up. And Clifford said after the game – you know, you have to own your record, and their record contain this seventh straight loss now with the Denver one wrapped up into it. And I'm just like, at what point is I hope, I really hope, Walker, that Mitch Kupchak is on the phone trying to figure this thing out because I just well, I can't see them breaking out of this spiral at this point. Well, you know, maybe we just go right into that because we talked about maybe taking a macro approach here in the third segment, just discussing it as the Hornets continue to lose these games. This game against the Detroit Pistons we talked about, that was a bad one. Hawks, Denver's not bad, but it this is what we were gearing up for, right? Because even if you performed admirably and you give them all of the moral victories in the world, there's still going to be big fat L's. I mean, Doug, they were a nine-point underdog in this game. They're a nine-point underdog against Sacramento last time I checked, even with that line possibly changing. I didn't see any of the lines going after that, but we're, we're talking about Sacramento, and I know this is the light, the beam team, and it's something very different. I get that, but you have one team. Th- that used to be your saving grace on these West mm-hmm. Coast road trips. It's not anymore. You don't, you don't really have your saving grace here. The Charlotte Hornets right now are the saving grace for other teams, and that's a hard thing well, the, to be. The Lakers one looks uh, a little bit more winnable all true. of a sudden with Anthony Davis, uh, another injury. That may, by the that way, is- just real quick tangent, does, that, does, does the Anthony Davis career arc make you feel any better about losing, losing out to him and you know getting MKG? Does it make you feel any better? I mean, he's got a championship, sure, but... Does it make you feel any better? Not not I mean, in, not in, in a shot. Not in like. I, of course, we're not cheering for him to get injured. But does it make right. you feel? Does it does it make you rest any easier? Yeah, I mean, I guess the argument is that he asks out of Charlotte just like he did New Orleans, right? So yes, you know what? Let's just go with the good feeling. Whatever is the good feeling, let let's go that direction, and we can try to feel a little bit better about Anthony Davis. All right, coming up next on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Don't go to sleep on the Hornets just yet. 
Doug talked about Mitch Kupchak working the phones. We'll discuss just how much he should after this loss, and we'll see after this West Coast road trip. This episode is brought to you by ExpressVPN. So we all know how it protects your privacy and security online, right? But here's something you might not know. You can also use ExpressVPN to unlock movies and shows that are only available in other countries. Maybe you've run out of stuff to watch on Netflix. So this is the type of thing that can change your world. ExpressVPN allows you to binge The Office on UK Netflix. It's so simple to do. Just sign into Netflix, fire up the ExpressVPN app, change your location to the UK, refresh Netflix, and that's it. That's all you got to do. ExpressVPN lets you control where you want sites to think you're located. You can choose from almost 100 different countries. So just imagine all the Netflix libraries you can go through, but it's not just Netflix. ExpressVPN works with any streaming service, Hulu, BBC iPlayer, YouTube, you name it, it works with that streaming service. So if you want to get access to hundreds of new shows, Go to expressvpn.com slash locked on right now, and you can get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. That's expressvpn.com slash locked on expressvpn.com slash locked on to learn more macro approach on the Hornets coming up next is locked on Hornets. I know a lot about the weight room. I know a lot, a ton, ton about the weight. I, I, I don't, I don't lift a lot of weights, uh, but I do kind of stand around the weight room. I sort of, I kind of, are you using that? Are you, you're good? Okay, good. Okay, good. Yeah. And you know, no, I stand yeah. around the weight room a lot. Do you have the high socks and the headband on with your hair tied back? Oh yeah. Big like white tube socks for sure. Yeah. yeah. Headband. Yeah. I've got it all. I've got yeah, big, head, these, big head, these headphones right here that you see me wearing on YouTube right now. I take these into the gym. <laughs> so I'm just, you know, it's about looking professional. You got to look the part, right? Dress for the job that you want. That's how I feel about how I am in the weight room. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Before we get into the sad stuff, Walker, we we do need to shout. You know, that Atlanta loss was tough. And I don't know if it was a bad loss. I put it as a loss in my in my quick caps that I do where I designate good win, win, bad loss, loss. Because they did have such an incredible comeback in that third quarter. They were down 75-59 to 59 going into the half. And they make just a huge run to get it back down to five by the 928 mark. And it was LaMelo, deep three after deep three. It was Gordon right. and his defense. I mean, I think that's the big storyline from Gordon's return is that defensively he makes them such a better team. And I think that showed itself against Denver during that early uh, run in the fourth quarter. But yeah, the fourth quarter of that Atlanta game was just a disaster. I mean, you you're you're only down six points going into that fourth quarter. That's a that's a game you can take. You get a you get a rosier travel. Uh, you you get back cut on defense constantly. Thor missed a three in that fourth quarter, just like he did against Denver. Yeah, just just tough. I mean, it's it's been tough loss after tough loss, and they keep piling up. And, and I just I can't do the math at this point and see where the Hornets, you know, can get enough wins to make this thing interesting for a play-in spot, even even with the Eastern Conference standings not being what they were last season. Yeah, they're dead last. So, you know, they're 7-23. <laughs> <laughs> like, what? Oh. 
<laughs> just, just, I'm just, yeah, man. Look, I don't, I don't, I want to try to find the, the positive stuff and look, we'll, we'll get there as the, as the year goes on, but they're seven and 23 right now. Detroit's eight and 24. Orlando is starting to cook. They're 11 and 20. They've won six straight games. The Orlando magic have Washington's lost nine straight. So even with Charlotte's eight game losing streak, it's actually not the worst losing streak in the Eastern conference. Washington, get out of here, Washington. Nine. That's right. They're 11 and 19. Chicago is 11 and 18. And then Toronto is 13 and 17. They are the 10 seed right now in the Eastern Conference. You brought up Gordon Hayward, Doug. You also tweeted out a couple days ago that you know that the Charlotte Hornets are going out west. You're just not exactly sure how many of those players will be coming back. And Gordon Hayward, he's always been a part of the trade rumors. And so is Terry Rozier. Gordon Hayward this year, he's played... 13 games, including this Denver contest that he just finished up with shots down. You know, the stats are what they are at this point, smaller sample size, whatever, right? Still, still a good enough basketball player that helps when he's on the floor. Problem is he's just not on the floor as much, but he's also had a couple of injuries that diminishes his trade value, especially yes, even with an expiring contract next year, it's coming in at a healthy $30 million next season. Gordon Hayward's going to be tough to trade, and I don't know what kind of draft assets you're getting for Gordon Hayward. The other one, that this one's a little bit harder to swallow, just real quickly. Terry Rozier's having by far his worst year in Charlotte. Um, it's just when it comes to shooting, it's bad. Now, it, it's come up a little bit in the past month, but here's something kind of crazy, right? So you see the counting stats. They're actually better, you know, the 22 points per game. You could see that with all the injuries, the 5.7 assists, that's a career high so far. And I, I do think there have been some better parts to his floor general game. He's shooting a lot more twos this year. The field goal percentage inside the three point arc is back down to what it was two years ago after, you know, before he made the big jump. Same thing with PJ, right? Terry and PJ plummeting in their two point percentage category. Problem with Terry is that, you know, his three point percentage is completely gone. He's also. I did not expect this. Terry's leading the league in minutes played per game. Yep. I don't know if that crazy, 30, right? 37 like I, plus. Yeah. And and I I was like, wait, this can't be right. So I started, you know, typing in the names of the stars. And even though it, it's just basketball reference is telling me, hey, it's bold for a reason, Walker. It's it's right. Like I'm going to Kevin Durant. No, not Kevin. He's almost there. You know, I'm going to all these other guys. And no, Terry Rogier with those stats, he's leading you in minutes per game. It's ridiculous. Well, which is not good. I mean, no. that, because it me it means that you have to play him for thirty seven minutes per game. And and honestly, like I think that's that's a little bit of a saving grace if you're looking to trade him because I think it's an easy argument to make to a team. I mean, you might lose a little bit of leverage on what you get back, but you know, I think an easy argument to make is like look at what he did two seasons ago. And, and, you know, a team that's contending is going to be able to put a lot of different pieces around him that will allow him to play the game that he played two seasons ago, or, or, you know, last season and, and the season before that. And so, you know, look at those stats. You know, this season, it's easy for another team to look at the uh, look at, you know, what's going on with the Charlotte Hornets and understand that a lot of guys are playing out of position. So I honestly don't think like his stats this season are really going to damage the trade value that much. 
but yeah, Gordon Hayward, I mean, the injury situation with him, I mean, he's got some kind of device on the back of his shoulder uh, uh, that makes him look like the, the hunchback of the Queen City. And, you know, it, wow. it's it's trying to, I guess, develop, you know, the, the bone that is necessary that has been broken back there. Like, yeah, you're, you can't trade that. That's not tradable. I'm sorry. Like, he's not going anywhere. Just get comfortable. He's not one of these players that's going to get shipped out. Um, the, the problem is too, with like PJ, he, I think he would be desirable even with his contract situation, but he's been playing poorly as we've outlined. I mean, over the past five games, just taking a ton of shots and not making anything. I mean, that's one guy I think you would really like to see showcased and, and, you know, hopefully develop some value, but that just hasn't come to fruition. Well, and, and I just can't help but continue to go to the field goal attempts per game for these guys and just look how out of place it is compared to other years in their career. And honestly, like tonight against the Denver Nuggets, they, they had a lot of possessions, but I mean, even LaMelo and Gordon, they're back in the game. And between both of them, you know, they take what, 32 shots between them? Yeah, they take 32 shots between just those two players, right? And even Terry goes away. But Jalen McDaniels, his field goal attempts per game is up by four what it was last year. And Jalen shot eight times tonight against the Denver Nuggets. And he was five of eight. Kelly Oubre, 18, right on his average this year. He shot 18 tonight against Denver. P.J. Washington shot 12 times. P.J. shooting 13 times a game this season. You know, these guys are just playing. They're, they're hoisting up so many different shots. And I think that's the thing, right? It's, it's LaMelo, Terry, and Gordon. When they're all out, it it just it really showcases how out of position the rest of your role players are. And even when Terry gets hurt, you know, and only plays the 14 minutes, then you have to call on these guys again. And so it's interesting trying to figure out the a question you ask at the beginning of the season, how much of their role, and it's not only attempts per game, but how much of their role goes back to what it was pre all the injuries and how much does it say the same stay the same post all the injuries and you're, you're kind of you're kind of seeing the offense stay the same at least here recently but then again they're not fully 100 healthy yet oh yeah and I mean Ubre his his role since going to the bench has really just been spot up shooter like all of that you know all that tsunami right. father stuff where he went to the rim and now he is I think he's still rebounding better uh and you know he didn't have any steals against Atlanta I'm not sure what his final number was in in Denver I don't have it pulled up in front of me but um you know, I, I think he is more active defensively. I think that's some of that stuff's going to stick around. What was his line here? Yeah, seven of eighteen in this game against Denver. Two of eight from three. Yeah, sixteen two points, two steals. So, you know, but his efficiency over the past couple of games since going back to the bench has gone down. But can, again, can you convince a team? Hey, look at what Kelly, Kelly has really raised the level of his game. That's that's a valuable asset that you can have on your team. I'll give you another guy that I don't think is it's out of the question that he could be moving on from the Charlotte Hornets. And that's Mason Plumley, who, yeah, it certainly has his issues, but I think from a backup center position, you know, a team that needs a little bit more playmaking uh, from the bench, you know, that's, that that's not, and, and he's a decent rebounder. That's like not a crazy name as well. Again, when you're just trying to move guys for draft compensation and to get worse, uh, you know, moving moving Plumley, and and then that gives you the option to play Richards more and Kai Jones more, you know, and that would make you worse because Kai Jones, you know, in this game against Denver, like Kai Jones, even though he caught the you know caught the nice uh, roll uh, from Lamella Ball and had the nice highlight, 
was genuinely unplayable because of the mistakes that he was making on the defensive end of the floor, fouling, did it against Atlanta too, travels all the time when he plays offense, turns it over. Like Kai Jones right now is unplayable. But if again, if you're if you're just cynically looking at it from the perspective of how do we make this team worse and you know move towards a draft pick, then playing Kai Jones more, being forced to do that, would accomplish that goal. So so one question I'll leave you with before we end it today. You know, there have been a couple people and a lot of them have been on the text line when I'm hosting Wes and Walker on WFNZ from 12 to 3. Um, <laughs> a couple of people have written in like, hey, they don't need to tank and lose on purpose. They're doing it right now. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you know, raise my shoulders. Like, All right. Yes. But when these guys come back, they're probably going to be better than the absolute worst team in the Eastern Conference, the worst team in the league. My question to you, is there an argument to be made where now you have Terry out? I don't know how long he's going to miss. So who knows? So if Terry's out and they are going to, let's say, I don't know, do they go one in five on this West Coast road trip? At this point, I might be pleased with that. I, I'm not even trying to be all the way Debbie Downer. It's just I, it's they're just losing so much. Mm-hmm. Is there an argument to be made where, hey, maybe you just do keep the roster intact you're not going to get all that much. Think about the value of Gordon Hayward next year on an expiring. He, he'd probably count for more, right? When you're talking about the assets of Gordon Hayward on an expiring deal, rather than having to deal with it this off season, you know, Terry Rozier, yes, that contract is what it is. His value isn't going to change much, but even yeah. so, you know, Terry and Gordon, maybe you do get this high draft pick, whether it's Wimby or Scoot or even a Nick Smith or somebody, and you have a better environment, not only for LaMelo, who you hope gets better, but you have a better environment for this young rookie. Like that, that is an argument you could take. Hey, we don't need to tank to lose all these games because we're losing them right now. And if we have to pay him for absolute pennies on the dollar, you said it yourself, nobody's trained for Gordon. Okay. Well then maybe there's an argument to be made. Just hold on to him. And then that contract's more valuable because it's expiring next year. Well, the, well, the argument is you got no choice to hold on to Gordon Hayward because no, you know that's what I'm saying. Like, he's, yeah, or, like or I'm not even I'm not like, even really discussing him. But in terms of Terry, right. I think you you made the point there. The contract, like if you can move off the contract, because I'm just gonna break it to everyone. And I'm not, I, honestly, I don't think I'm breaking it to anyone. Anyone with eyeballs can see that, like, the Lamelo yeah. Ball Terry Rozier backcourt is not the future. It's it, it can't defend. It just won't. You got to have somebody beside Lamelo that can that can lock things down a little bit. Because as good as Lamelo has been offensively, yeah. you know he's he's struggled defensively. And I don't know how much of that is the ankle getting better. Maybe he does make strides in this next offseason to get better defensively. But so far, I haven't seen it. And, and But it would look a lot better if it was Dennis Smith Jr. or some other shooting guard that was better equipped to play defense than Terry Rozier. Like, that backcourt is not the future. So if you can get anything close to fair for Terry Rozier, I, I think you got to do it. And and I also think that, like, P.J. Washington is another piece where I'm like, now I'm, I'm questioning whether signing him at, at whatever number he feels comfortable with makes any kind of sense for the Hornets. So you're, you're probably going to lose him anyway. Kelly Oubre, same kind of situation. Like, we don't know what his motivations are. Uh, and, and he's a bit of a wild card when it comes to free agency. Like, the fact that he signed with Charlotte was a little surprising, um, you know, coming out, of, coming out of Golden State. So, like, you know, you might end up losing him for nothing. So, you know, I think they really have to take a look at, you know, what, what can we get back? And 
you know, look, if you want to, if you want to get bad, you know, yeah, they, they could get better. That that's the danger. They could go on a little run in the back half once they start to have more home games and then you get caught in the middle. And, and I, I, you know, I think as an organization, you have to decide like, do we really even want to like take the chance at this point of landing right outside the play in damaging our ability to get into that top three and, and coming away from this with, with nothing. I mean, I think that to me would be, uh, the the biggest and saddest uh, disappointing outcome. Yeah, I mean, and I I am interested too as we talk about the records being worse in the Eastern Conference this year than it was last year. I wonder if that means the Pacers and the Raptors they kind of go for it. You know, may, maybe the Pacers actually just kind of hold on to Miles Turner and, and that, that, I mean we're in extension land for Turner now. As crazy as it seems. We're in extension land for him, possibly just returning to Indiana, you know, and maybe the Pacers just don't trade Buddy Heald and they get into the play. And because I know that, you know, the Simon family, they want to put butts in the seats as much as possible with that Pacers organization. Like it, it's kind of interesting. The more you get in deeper and, and I'm not saying keep everybody. I, you know, if, if you're going to not trade Terry Rozier, I wouldn't keep Kelly too. I kind of view them very similarly. I do. I, I view Terry better. But yeah, that's kind of where I'm. Not I don't think leaning, the, I, but it's I think the, to think about. it is, and, and I think the Pacers will keep going for it because that's in the Pacers' DNA as an organization. But Toronto is the interesting case. L.A. The Lakers are an interesting case, even though they've they've got well they, they they've yeah. got no pick, but they're going to get bad because they've got no they've literally have no choice because they have no pick. But but here's the thing: like we don't know what's going to happen over the next couple of weeks and months where teams are going to all of a sudden turn the dial towards Wimby. Like it's going to happen. And and I think there's an advantage for teams that go at it early for saying, all right, I'm going to have the courage to pull the plug on this thing a little bit early, even if I have to take back what I don't think is necessarily fair value for some of my assets, if it makes me worse and I get to be worse early then you know we we can be in business come draft time. No, and I I hear you. I guess what's in, people were. I mean, Adam Silver sent out a damn memo about the Wimby sweepstakes because we were so scared of it. But here's my point. You, you mentioned those teams. I guess I just don't know which ones are going to do it. Like the the teams that are already really bad that could take that turn, we're already going to take the turn no matter what. The Spurs, the Rockets. The Thunder, I mean, SGA is playing like an MVP candidate. So, yeah, th- I mean, they. what are you going to trade, though? Like, they're still wanting to get more picks. I, I, Thunder is going to win some more. Go to the Eastern Conference. Detroit, Orlando, Charlotte, they're already going to tank. I mean, Washington with Beal, I guess. I mean, Doug, I, I'm just t- like, these are going to be teams that are already going for the Wimby stuff. And all these other teams that are just ahead of those, the Lakers, Golden State's not taking anything. Minnesota, Dallas, they're not taking anything. Those are the last seeds in the Western Conference right now. I don't expect Toronto to, even though that's kind of a wild card. I guess that's kind of my point. Like, we were so scared of all these teams dialing it back for Wimby. They might see this as, oh, hell, we're kind of right here. Let's just go to the play-in. And so it wouldn't be really the teams that are surprised. It's They were going to be the teams that were always going to tank. I don't know. More macro stuff later on in Lockdown Hornets land because we got a lot of basketball still to talk about with this team. 
It's Locked On Hornets. Thanks for making us your first listen every single day. Make your next listen, Locked On Sports Today. From the games that matter most, you can hear it right here with impressive insight and analysis only Locked On can provide. Have a great rest of your day. We'll be back with you tomorrow.